Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast this morning. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for having me back. Good to be back for uh, the Easter break. Indeed, indeed. Looking forward to uh, to a few days off. So, as you mentioned, we're in Easter, which coincides nicely with the end of the first quarter of the year. So, I think it would be fitting to have a quick review of what's been happening in markets in the first quarter, um, mainly looking at uh, UK equities and some of the big movers out there. Of course, I mean, if we're looking back over the quarter, we haven't seen a great deal in movement in the major indices. If you're looking at the FTSE 100 year to date, we're up about 4%. So we're, we're positive, but we're not up as much as we have been throughout the quarter. And, and I think that uh, uh, represents the volatility that, that we've seen, albeit in, in a fairly fairly tight range. So um, it, it's really been moving sideways, um, going backwards and forwards on, on various different headlines, mostly around um, COVID-19. Uh, of course, that is the, uh, the, the major driver uh, of my has been the major driver of markets uh, so far. Of course, there, there's the the fears about inflation coming back into uh, into markets, and really that did send uh, bond yields higher and, and saw some volatility in in some of these um, growth stocks that that could be an argument were a little bit overstretched. So, and when I'm looking at the the top risers, if we start with the, the FTSE 100. Uh, in terms of the the biggest gainers so far this year, it's very much towards um, the, the travel and, and leisure sector. Um, I mean, in Tain, obviously, the, the, the gaming company, gambling company, um, very strong uh, quarter talks of a takeover that didn't uh, transpire has obviously helped them. But of course, we've got IAG um, so far this year. They're up about 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trading just above that two pounds level, still a a long way off of um, fifty-two week highs. Um, you know, if you go back to the beginning, I was a little bit more than fifty-two weeks now, but beginning of the uh, the pandemic, and you know where it was then, trading around four pounds could still be some upside there. But then, you know, looking at elsewhere in, in some of the top risers so far this year, you're looking at the financials, we're looking at uh, the likes of Barclays uh, and Aviva and Lloyds, um, all very strong up and around sort of 20% so far this year. And of course, the miners, um, they, they've had a strong uh, rally so far this year. And, and this really sort of plays in uh, to what we've been talking about on the podcast in as far as there has been a rotation from growth stocks into value shares. And, you know, if we if we look back six months and we look at the banks, we look at the miners, they were down um, still quite a considerable amount um, from the uh, the beginning of the, the pandemic yet to, to stage a rally, which we've now seen, Alan. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in your view, there's been a lot of talk about this move from growth stocks into into value but if we're looking now at the uh, the top performers so far this year 
Do you think that that move and, and that rotation's now done to some extent? I think it is. Uh, I think we've seen we've seen strong performances during the first quarter from, as you say, financials and mining stocks, and of course with the the uh, the strength in the dollar uh, uh, pushing pushing bond yields. Well, uh, or shall I say, the yields uh, bond yields uh, rising, uh, also strengthening the dollar. There is a fear in some quarters that there could be a sell-off, but that is also offset to a degree by the um, the volatility index, um, the CBOE volatility, volatility index uh, in Wall Street, which is um, trading just below 20, down from um, 85 a year ago. That was a near record. Um, and that, that, to a large extent, reflects expectations from investors that uh, – the gains in these stocks, and also, you know, the we're talking about the growth stocks as too, are likely to stick. So, um, and as we've said previously, we also have the backdrop of the of the, the, the macro picture, where the the gov- the spending by governments on propping up economies, on paying out furlough schemes, on dealing with the legacy of that spend, that will continue, um, and that that continues to create uh, a sustained backdrop for the strength in commodities and also the strength in, in precious metals and and what we call safe haven investments so so i think any volatility is likely to be countered by that bigger picture um and and, and certainly you know it, it's it's uh, it's gratifying to see that uh, some of the old school investment Investing stocks like banks are starting to make a comeback. You know, possibly on the on the uh, possibly based on the uh, the prospect of, of higher interest rates. But um, but nonetheless, it's it, it's good to see in a way. Um, you know, it, it's also an indication of a some semblance of a, a return to normality, perhaps. But um, but certainly, um, I'm still of the opinion that uh, over the long term, you've got that backdrop which will give strength to commodities. Um, and uh, and and precious metals, um, uh, and and the recovery potential, of course, in the leisure and travel sector is still is still uncertain. But uh, I think we will see that gather strength as the year progresses, particularly once we're completely out of lockdown. Yes, I mean when I when I start to look now down at the FTSE two fifty, we we're seeing top performers on the year in the travel and uh, and and leisure. Sector of of course, uh, you know, the Cine World that's had uh, a huge rally so far in, in, in 2021, but still a, a long way off the highs. Um, as is companies um, such as as Rank Group, um, you know they they obviously have the, uh, uh, the the bingo side of things. Um, you know, obviously online that's that's been been pretty strong. Um, but then we're looking at companies like National Express, for example, still a long way off the highs. I mean, do, do you think that the travel and leisure sector could really be in, in the second quarter of this year that the, the sector to again really outperform that the wider market? Or do you, or do you think there's going to be some concern still that, yes, we're opening up, um, maybe the government may have to change and, and tweak to some extent their, their policies and we're not going to open up in in the timeline as we've we've laid out in terms of I think it's the uh, 21st of June everything back to normal given that we're starting to see um third and, and, and waves over in 
Europe, which are causing lockdowns. I mean, is this something that, that you think is holding back the, tra- the travel and leisure sector uh, to some extent? Or, or do you think these, these worries are really going to sort of persist for some time from here? Yeah, I think they will persist for some time without doubt. I, um, Yeah, I mean, the lockdowns in Europe are really a result of the relatively lax policies of governments in Europe, uh, you know, Macron in particular. Um, uh, and, uh, and you know, that, that that's the one area I think that the UK government has made a number of mistakes over the past year in dealing with this crisis, as has been well documented. But certainly in regard to getting the vaccine rolled out, they've done a sterling job. Um, and I think that's now paying dividends. Of course, it remains to be seen um, whether the infections will start to increase now that people are getting out and, and mixing again. Um, no doubt it will happen, but it will happen at a rate that the NHS that have been under so much pressure over the past year can deal with. Um, but we're seeing these mutations um, as somebody said to me the other day, of course, this could be just the first in a new wave of super viruses, which is which is pretty uh pretty uh, uh you know it, it's it's overing news. Yeah, yeah, it's a it, it's a pretty um pretty sad sort of uh, a viewpoint to have on life, but um, that could be very realistic. Uh, you know, uh, if if these superbugs are evolving, and of course that's that's what happens when society and and the planet evolves um uh, you know there are new new challenges to deal with but nonetheless um i think uh i think gums around the world have learned an awful lot from this virus um but back to your original question about the travel sector um i think there's an uncertain outlook for that sector that will only really start to improve once uh, we see evidence of earnings returning to that sector once lockdown completely lifts, lifts during the summer but even then it will just be a temporary blip i think and i think we'll be back to the same old problems next winter indeed indeed it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there just just a quick uh, look now at, at the aim alan now um it is really a mixed bag in terms of sectors in terms of the best performers that we've seen uh, so far and that's really down to the spot stock uh, specific nature of of the aim market uh and but Sort of looking at what's what's happening there, there is a number of, of companies in the oil and gas uh, sector which have had a very strong quarter. Um, 88 Energy, um, Oilex, you know, they're, they're up uh, huge amounts on the uh, on the year. When you're sort of looking at these companies, uh, Alan, I mean, do you feel that yes, the the reasons why these these companies are moving higher is down to news that's specific to them as opposed to the overall market. But but do you feel that there's generally an improvement in sentiment around junior and small cap oil companies at the moment? Yeah, I think there is an improvement, a a huge improvement. And we're seeing a lot of companies that, you know, hitherto were almost maybe like dormant cash shells, really. Um, they've come back to life, and uh, what we're going to discuss in a minute uh, is a very good example of that. Of course, we've spoken about Mosman Oil and Gas 2, which is in a, in a similar position. And, of course, these are companies that own, uh, you know, relatively low-cost wells and assets that um, that they that they, they earn from. And there's a lot of the, um, uh, you know, seeing companies like Union Jack Oil, um, you know, uh, purchase... Uh, royalty agreements where they're earning from uh, a producing asset and uh, you know this seems to be 
there seems to be a real opportunity at the moment in the market. And when you're seeing seasoned oil professionals uh, like David Bramhill, who runs Union Jack Oil, um, uh, uh, getting involved in royalty agreements like this, I think that's a that's a you know it's it's a it bodes well for the the outlook for that industry. Um, so certainly for the for the uh, the near term, I think that's. Um, that's a strong sector, and of course, the revaluations you, you're talking about really reflect that. That um, that uh, a lot of these companies are being looked at again by both retail and institutional investors, and they're getting involved where they see an opportunity and where they see a small, well-run company. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, certainly, you know, some of these uh, companies had a, had a very torrid time throughout 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, but we're starting to see some life being breathed back into them now, which is which is good to see. So you are going to move on now to the, the first of the equities that we're going to discuss in some detail today. Um, and that's is actually looking here at the top risers of um, AIM shares so far in, uh, in 2021. It is 16th highest riser, um, up 152%. And that's Echo Energy. We discussed them last week, Alan. Uh, and you did highlight there could be some some news coming this week. Indeed, there was, mm-hmm. and a lot of that 150% has actually been recorded in the last few days. So, so what was that news there from Echo Energy? Okay, so so uh, I won't go into details about the about the, the the South American assets. Of course, we discussed those in detail last week. But um, uh, the, the the company have have a. Uh, a, a, a debt legacy from a bond uh, that um, they've been uh, that they've, they've been having to manage and pay out, and um, it's very much kept a lid on the share price and, of course, the the value of the assets at Santa Cruz uh, down in South America and Argentina haven't really been reflected uh, in the valuation. Um, and what the company has been seeking to do, because of course it's been constrained by that um, but by that that, that debt. Uh, so investors look at the investment proposition. Nice company, great assets, um, and of course they've now they said last week they've sold or allocated seventy uh, percent of their industrial gas output for the current year, which is incredible. You know that's a really good position to be in at the end of the first quarter, um, and. Um, uh, there's every prospect that they're going to bring more wells online and that uh, prices will increase and therefore their earnings will improve. So the company's got a, a real opportunity to grow exponentially, to invest in more assets down there. It also had a VAT refund too, and it raised, I think, $1.3 million, um, uh, over the uh, uh, at the end of 2020 and, of course, in the first quarter of this year. Um, but... Uh, the the uh, the bonds was a twenty million euro bond uh, which attracted eight percent per annum. They have restructured that so no interest is payable for a, a one hundred thousand euro payment. Um, no further interest will be payable up to May twenty twenty five. At which point the bond will, will become repayable. So what it does it affect it almost clears the balance sheet for the next couple of years and allows the company to get on and grow exponentially and develop these quality assets. So it's all come together very rapidly for Echo Energy with with that VAT uh, refund, with the, the fundraise, with the bringing the uh, gas-producing assets back online and then being able to sell 
the the, uh, the the gas output from those assets at a premium into the market there in South America. So um, so it, the future look, looks very promising. Clearly, you know, it's um, I think as an investor in this, you'd need to have an understanding of the market in Argentina and be fully au fait with that. Um, but uh, the company does have some blue sky investments elsewhere in South America too that uh, um, that it will be uh, no doubt developing. So there's a very exciting future ahead. Uh, still, despite those rises, we have a market cap of 21, 22 million. So really, I think there's an awful lot of potential to come from the group. And, um, and you know, in the near term, sky could be the limit. Yeah, so I mean, certainly looking at the... Uh, performance of the shares since we discussed it on the podcast last week. I think it was trading around 0.7 of a penny. Indeed, this morning, I think it traded briefly at about 1.85. So uh, a huge move there and definitely the market um, taking notes of those changes at uh, Echo Energy there. So certainly going to be an interesting 2021 and one that's no doubt we're going to be touching on again and updating the podcast on what's happening with that uh, that company, uh, and we're actually going to do that now with a another company that we've discussed uh, on the podcast previously. Uh, we, we've detailed their, their operations in, in Cadence Minerals, but they've had a significant milestone recorded this week. Alan, what's uh, what's that been? Well, they have, Jonathan. Indeed. So, so Cadence Minerals. Um, very quick summary: their flagship asset is the Maparain or pro- <coughs> project in northeastern Brazil. Um, they also have an investment into uh, European Metals Holdings, which is the Sinovec Lithium Project. They hold about twelve percent of that at that uh, of EMH on listed on AIM now, and of course uh, they're benefiting from that. They have um, a small investment in MacArthur Minerals, uh, ASX and TSX listed company, which owns the Lake Giles Iron Ore Project in Australia. Um, they have a a that they have an interest in the Sonora Lithium Project in Mexico. Um, uh, with uh, joint ventures there with Bacanora. They have um, lithium rock assets in Australia and, of course, the interest in the Yanjibana Rare Earth Project, uh, Yanjibana North, Yanjibana and Yanjibana North, um, uh, which they have a 30% joint venture there with Hastings Technology Metals. But it's all about the Amapa Iron Ore Project. Um, Amapa Iron Ore Project, formerly owned by, uh, uh, by Anglo-American and Clough, Clough Mining, um, it was valued by Anglo-American at $600 million on their books in 2012. Um, the mine fell into disrepair, um, or, or rather the port fell into disrepair, and um, it went into administration, was owned by a company called Dev, and Cadence have structured a deal that has basically brought the mine back to life. They've had... Um, They've gone through a, a process, a judicial process there with, of course, the commercial court in Sao Paulo, where they have um, re- restored the, the railway line that takes the uh, iron ore from the Amapa mine to the port in Santana. Um, they have uh, they are in the final stages of the agreement with the secured creditors, those are the banks that have lent the money to uh, uh, or, or have um, uh, money in the the Amapa project, um, and they've agreed a deal, uh, but it's with banks and it's going through a lengthy process with the lawyers sorting out the final uh, legal terms and, and, and the documentation. That will be completed shortly. 
Once it does, Cadence will own 20% of the entire Mapper operation, which is which is huge. And Cadence currently has a market cap of just 31 million, uh, and that includes all the other assets I, I spoke about and the Mapper Iron Ore project. Why are we so excited this week? Well, um, the the commercial court in Sao Paulo um, ruled that uh, that uh, Cadence and the team there could ship enough iron ore that there are the iron ore tailings worth some 130 million dollars sitting at the port uh, in Amapa, um, and uh, the court ruled that it could ship those those uh, tailings. Um, uh, enough to make a ten million profit and uh, a ten million dollar profit. Forty five thousand tons has just been shipped, and a very symbolic uh, um, message went out this morning. Uh, uh, announcement went out this morning uh, with the ship the, um, uh, pulling away from the the dock uh, containing the iron ore. Other shipments are planned, but um, um, it's gone. It's en route to the buyer, and of course, the iron ore at the port of Santana has been used all over the world and has been bought all over the world. So it's a very exciting time for them. The iron ore price is still very strong, so they're going to make an awful lot of money from from the sale of that. Some of it goes to pay the creditors, but uh, the rest of the uh, income from that will go into rejuvenating the Amapa mine and and the recommissioning studies. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got... It's it's a game changing um, it's a game changing investment for Amapa and one that could see the company uh, you know rapidly increase in value in the coming months. Yes, I mean looking at the share price here, Alan. I mean over the last fifty two weeks, up five hundred and fifty percent, and a very steady gain so far throughout uh, mm. twenty twenty, up about forty eight percent. On the year, and what looks attractive with just looking at the chart here of this company, it's it's a very steady, uh, measured uptrend, um, and I think that reflects the the underlying strategy of this this company and uh, the results that they are d- delivering, sending that share price higher. So, um, if this chart is anything to go by, and the news you discussed there, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, this tick higher as we move through 2021. So uh, an interesting company there to to keep an eye on. Um, going to move on now, Alan. So th- this is one that I don't think we've discussed on the podcast in any great detail. I may myself have mentioned them because um, Adam Davidson, uh, the CEO of Trident Royalties, was on our UK Investor Magazine virtual conference at the end of last year, um, very interesting business model um, in that they invest and inquire mining royalties. Mm-hmm. So that brings a number of benefits uh, to investors in the company. So, Alan, what's the uh, what's the latest from them, and and a little bit more detail on uh, their business model and their operations? Okay, so this is a really interesting business model. Um, um, as you said, Jonathan, it's a company that. It acquires and aggregates royalties um, and, and uh, revenue streams for to deliver returns to shareholders and investors. Um, uh, it does that through uh, by introducing conservative leverage into its deals um, and also getting involved in accretive uh, script transactions. Um, and the, the aim is to build a company that has revenue streams from different producing mining assets um, that will build to a level where it can it can it can generate an attractive dividend policy, and of course, you know, dividend 
uh, dividend paying stocks or what the uh, institutions love. So it'll get to a point where there's a tipping point and the company will then start to produce a regular income from the from the spread of investments it has. Um, so again, there's a if you look at the chart, it's just been a very steady chart. It's not been a spectacular chart, but um, certainly one that I think any risk averse investor will be quite happy to look at over the past year. I mean, we've seen the shares trade as high as 41p on the year. Um, and of course, you know, uh, in the uh, the middle of last year, we were looking at a low of around 18 pence. So um, it, it's it, it's basically uh, uh, progressed slowly uh, 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 since coming to market. But certainly the, the board um, are very supportive. As you say, Adam Davidson, the chief executive, um, uh, is very bullish in in his strategy, um, and uh, two directors on the board, Albert Gourley, well Albert Gourley in particular, and James Kelly, Kelly both both bought shares in the open market toward the end of last year. But it really started to things really started to move um, toward the end of the uh, first quarter in 2021. Um, uh, the company said in its quarter four updates for 2020, it agreed six transactions over 11 royalties. And they acquired uh, a, a the what it calls the Pukakaka copper royalty from Orion Resources, and that's a name that will will crop up again as we'll see going forward. Um, also, the uh, the Coolian Nobbing iron ore asset in Australia um, during uh, 2020 uh, received uh, cumulative payments of uh, one well one point seven US million US dollars. Uh, which meant it had already recovered in the first year 35% of its 6.6 million royalty purchase price. Um, so that's a that's a really strong performance uh, uh, from an investment over the first year. Um, also during that uh, year, the quarter, uh, the the Mimbula copper asset um, performed very strongly, um, uh, up 158% uh, over the year, um, generating $56,500 in revenue for uh, for the, the company, um, the also the uh, the Lake Rebecca uh, Gold royalty was de-risked by Apollo Consolidated, the operator. That's an ASX listed company, um, and there is a potential mineral resource estimate scheduled for quarter two, which of course we're just in now this year. And again, t- uh, Trident Royalties has a net smelter royalty there of one half percent. We, just, we had an update um, the other day on the uh, Warawuna and Talga Talga assets, um, where uh, it signed, uh, it basically has a royalty agreement in place now to generate 1.5% net smart royalty from Talga Talga, Warawuna, Mosquito Creek, and 1% from the Bullfinch asset. And these, of course, are all, uh, are all sort of uh, gold producing assets in Australia. Um, Adam Davidson said, on that quarter four update, the anticipated seeing increasing returns from existing paying royalties. And that was up to March the 19th, where the company announced its biggest deal to date and one which has become a cornerstone investment for the company, uh, but also saw the company raise a lot of money in the market um, and an oversubscribed placing for investors. Raised $26 million in cash um, and... Uh, and um, Invested into uh, the what, the Thacker Pass Lithium project in 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 the USA in Nevada um, acquires a sixty percent interest through the uh, uh, through the operator there Lithium Americas Corporation which has a two billion market cap 
um, it will receive 60% of a gross revenue royalty subject to a partial operator buyback in year one of some of the assets. So um, looks, there's a very strong um, revenue stream in prospect here. Um, 3.1 million tonnes of lithium carbon equivalent in, in the asset, which is the largest lithium reserve in the USA. And there's a 46-year mine life there too. So, you know, a very attractive uh, asset to, to get involved with. The phase, the first phase of royalties is expected to generate $3.8 million per annum, with phase two expected to generate $7.5 million per annum. So it's going to be a cornerstone asset for Trident royalties and also marks its second transition transaction with Orion Resources. And on completion of that deal, Orion will then hold 6.5% of Trident, Trident royalties. So that's a very a very good way to cement a relationship, I think, where you have that sort of ownership. So um, so that's the, the big mover. The, uh, the shares haven't moved much since then. And given the business model, they won't move a great deal. But um, it's a sort of asset where if you're looking for a safe corner of your portfolio, you could tuck this company away. In time, we'll, we will start to see dividend payments. And if the board continues to operate like this, I think we're going to see a series of other assets on the table. I think they've got um, there are a further 12 um, projects on the table that are under NDA at the moment. So there's going to be plenty more activity in the coming year. So we will see growth. Um, and obviously, once the company starts paying a dividend, then it's going to be doubly attractive for, for the reasons I've outlined. I mean, and I, th- I think with this company, it's worth noting um when an investor is looking at this company, and royalties is, is relatively mining royalties is relatively uh, new in terms of um, you know companies listed here in London that that you know deal with uh, mining royalties and, and obviously then provide investors with the opportunity to, to invest in that that listed equity. It's been quite popular in North America for for some time, but I mean, do, do you see that this is something? That investors should consider, and maybe we'll start to see more issues and more companies coming to the market that are um, dealing with mining royalties. Because I mean, there is this real benefit when you're looking at mining royalties is that once the the royalty has been acquired, there isn't the need for, for ongoing um, operational capital to be put yeah. toward the, the the royalty. Because of course, if we see uh, an uplift in, in metal prices that will then mean that, that the percentage of uh, the output then transpires in, into being uh, a higher level of revenue for that royalty. I mean, is this something that you think the investors should really start to consider a little bit more? Um, and would you like to see more companies that are offering this type of investment and, and, and uh, business structure? Well, certainly, I think I think uh, Trident Royalties have really blazed a trail in this area. And uh, you, you know, looking at what they've already achieved, certainly in twenty twenty, with the with the amount of uh, with the the revenues generated. Um, but 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 I see their model. It, it is about scale, and clearly, they've got to scale up the number of assets they hold. So they have they have that steady revenue stream. And as you rightly point out, Jonathan, they don't have the they don't have the uh, the risk of additional capex being required to to further develop an asset, um, and also, of course, they can sell that asset on many uh, at any time. So it may well be that a certain asset um, at, at 
is at, at, at a particular phase when they buy it. It then moves on to the next phase. Maybe production is scaled up or maybe other opportunities come along and uh, an operator with a similar interest comes in and makes an offer for that asset. And of course, Trident can then sell on, get a capital gain from the from the purchase price and um, and reinvest in another asset elsewhere. But it doesn't have, as you rightly point out, that risk of the capex uh, requirement ongoing. It is purely an investment, and uh, you know, managed by the team as they manage it to date. I'm sure we're going to see other royalty companies arrive on the market before too long. Indeed, certainly uh, an interesting space to be to be watching. So, just as a as a recap, the companies that we discussed today: uh, Echo Energy trades under the ticker of ECHO. Um, Cadence Minerals trades under the ticker of KDNC, and just then was Trident Royalties that trades under the ticker of TRR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today and have a good Easter. Thanks, Jonathan. You have a good Easter too. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 